Luke chapter 9. Amen. Jesus is speaking to his disciples here in Luke chapter 9. And I'll just read a couple of verses and then you can be seated. Verse 23 is where we're going to begin. As Jesus speaks to his disciples here, he is telling them about what they are to expect in following him. And he said to them that if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. I guess I skipped a word there. Better not skip that one because it's pretty important. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Doesn't quite make sense on the surface. Jesus is saying here, if you would lose your life, then, then you're going to gain life. If you're going to, if you would try to save your life, if you would try to hold on to all that you think is dear, then in the end, you're going to lose it all. Hey Amen. I just want to speak on this subject today, when losers win. When losers win. Amen. I've, I've spoke on this topic before today, but I just feel the Lord drawing me back. Back to this idea of, of losers. It's, you know, sometimes we feel like losers. Anybody ever felt like that? Anybody ever been called a loser? It doesn't feel good to be called a loser. Man, don't you know that God, He, he, he likes losers. He, he loves losers. Amen. You can be seated here today. We see that throughout Scripture that, that God, he, he, he takes people that are messed up, people whose lives you wouldn't imagine, you know, them being the ones, them being the individuals that, that God would choose to advance his story. God would take the most unlikely people to place them in in situations and place them at at particular places in his kingdom and and make something and do something incredible through their lives. And you can, all throughout the pages of of scripture, we, we don't see perfect men I don't know, maybe, maybe there's some that, that we look at and just because we only get small glimpses into their life, we don't, we don't see the, uh, the downfalls of, of them. But, but I'm sure that, that all of those, even, even Enoch, I'm sure he had flaws. Elijah, even though he rode a chariot up into heaven, he had flaws. He had things in his life that, that it, it on the surface level, you might look at him and say, man, you made some big mistakes in your life. Abraham, 
I mean, he had, even though he was a man of faith, even though he was the first patriarch of the faith, even though he was the one that, that God kind of slowed all time, it, it seems, as, as you're reading Scripture, and, and he, all of a sudden we're kind of flying through history in Genesis, and we get to Abraham, and everything slows down because God wants to tell us about this man. And we see that he has flaws. He, he goes and, and he takes uh, his wife and he tells her to lie. And he, he lies about certain things. And, and we see his son kind of do the same thing. His son Isaac, uh, he has flaws. And, and certainly his grandson is a flawed man. Jacob. I mean, Jacob had all kinds of flaws. He had, he had these things, this, this way about him that, that he just tried to manipulate situations. And, and when you look at him from a godly perspective, you would probably say, man, what a loser. I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'd hard, have a hard time just calling somebody a loser. But, but, uh, but I mean, really in his life, he, he, was not, uh, he was not the prime example of somebody that God would choose to be the, 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 the main man in his mission, the main man in God's kingdom, Israel. He would change his name to Israel. But this man, before, it was Jacob, a loser, a, a man that just made one mistake after another. And yet, when Moses, when he encounters God on the mountain, that fiery burning bush, what what does God what does he refer to himself as? He refers to himself in the, in the one place he says, "I am that I am." When he's when he's searching for a name, he, he reveals himself as the I am, which is a powerful uh, uh, illustration or a powerful uh, insight into who God is. But but before that, he he looks and, and he look or speaks to to Moses there, and he he identifies himself as the God of your fathers. He says, "I am the God of Abraham." I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. Now, Abraham, I understand. He doesn't say I'm the God of Abram. Abram was the man that, uh, the same man as Abraham, but but in his more perfect state, in his in his, his state in which he is following after the call of God, he becomes Abraham. I understand when God says, when somebody answers my call, that, that that's the, I'm the God of that man. I'm the God of the man who answers the call and goes after me and, and he has a promise on his life. He is Abraham. He's no longer Abram. He's Abraham. And I understand Isaac, the one who goes back and he keeps on following God, keeps pursuing the promise. I see Isaac who, who at a young age, he, he laid upon an altar as a sacrifice to God. And, and, and as an old age, he's, he's training up his children. He's redigging the wells of his father. We see God, we see him, uh, continuing this path of pursuing God. And I understand for God to identify himself as the God of Isaac. But why doesn't he identify himself as the God of Israel? He says, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. You would think, you would think that he would say, I'm the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Israel. See, Israel wasn't just the nation. Israel wasn't just uh, the, the 
the big family, the tribe. But that was, was his name. His name was changed to Israel in his more perfect state, in his, in his state in which he is living and pursuing God, living for and pursuing God. His, his name is Israel. And yet when God, it, he speaks about, uh, speaks to Moses and identifies himself as the God of your ancestors, he says, I am the God of Jacob. And I believe what he's trying to get Moses to understand is that I'm not just the God of those who are on the mountaintop and are pursuing me, but I'm also the God of those who have made mistake after mistake after mistake. And I'm still your God. And I'm still the God of those who find themselves in a low place and they're trying their best, but yet they continue continue to make mistake after mistake and they feel like a failure they feel like a loser and I'm the God of the loser I'm the God of Jacob and I'm going to make something out of that man I'm going to make something out of Jacob I'm not going to leave him in the state in which he is I will make something of you and you may feel like you made too many mistakes today but God I believe that he can look at you in that state when you see yourself as a loser when you see yourself as somebody who's made too many mistakes God says let me pick you up and we're going to win this together we're going to win this fight we're going to go on a mission together and as long as I have you by my side or as long as you keep me by my by your side let's go forward let's conquer things let's go and pursue all that God has in store for you you may feel like Jacob today but in tomorrow you're going to be Israel tomorrow you'll be the one who is living in my favor. Amen. When losers win, I believe that God, throughout Scripture, he, he purposely chooses people that made mistake after mistake after mistake. You look at Samson. Sure doesn't seem like a man that God would want to use, but yet uh, he, he takes this man who goes and, and is, is chasing after all these women that... He shouldn't be chasing after, and he's, he's doing things that he shouldn't, and yet we still see God use Samson. We see David, and, and David, he's, he's the greatest king of Israel. He's the one that is the man after God's own heart, and yet we see him making great, big, grave mistakes in his life, some things that, that you would think, you know, how could God use somebody like that? We see him use Jonah, a prophet that was... Seemingly doing everything he could to not do what God was asking him to do. He didn't want to follow after the call of God, and yet God was using him. And, and he begins to, to preach a message that he didn't want to preach. And God used the words that he didn't want to preach to go and to turn the hearts of a wicked nation, a wicked city, uh, back, or turn them to God. And, and they repented of their sins. And, and even then, after God used him, he still gets mad. He gets mad. God, I knew. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you'd forgive them. And we see God using people that you just would not expect him to use. His disciples, the disciples that Jesus picked, they were nobodies. These were not the Bible college students. They hadn't graduated from seminary. They didn't go up through all the, the courses and, and, and sit under somebody that was teaching them all the ins and outs of Scripture. This was, these were fishermen. 
This was a guy whose job was, was to pledge allegiance to the Romans and, and to betray all of his countrymen, the, uh, the, the Jews of that day. And, and he was a tax collector and he was looked at scornfully. He was, I mean, this, this is a guy that, that why would you want him around? You have, you have men that, uh, that they're trying to overthrow the government by, by violence. Simon, he was a zealot and he's trying to overthrow the government by violence. And Jesus takes him under his wing and he takes all these men that are misfits, that are people that, that when you look at them, you would say, why would you choose them? But Jesus loves the underdog. Jesus loves the loser. In the end, the loser is going to win. In the end, as long as you, as long as you hit yourself up to Jesus Christ, I believe that you're going to come out on top. So if you feel down low today, if you feel like you've made too many mistakes, I want you to know that that if you would just continue to pursue God, continue to pursue Him, He hasn't given up on you. You may, you will give up on yourself long before Jesus will ever give up on you. You continue to pursue Him. He has not given up. He has not given up on your calling. He has not given up on the things that He wants to do through you. So continue to say, God, what do you have in store for my life? And I feel like a loser. I feel like a loser. I feel like I've done too many things wrong. But God, he doesn't look at you that way. He doesn't look at you as a loser. Except for in this fact. It's not in the fact of making too many mistakes. It's not in the fact of, uh, of you doing and, and not measuring up. But he does ask you to lose yourself. To deny yourself. He asks you to come and, and to give up all the things that you hold dear. To lose control of the things that you want to hold on to so tightly. And this question that Jesus, or this, this statement that Jesus uh, makes to them about, about denying themselves and following after him. It comes immediately after Jesus asked his disciples a question. This is in, in Luke chapter 9 verse 18. Jesus said, or it says that it came to pass as, as he was alone praying, his disciples were with him. He asked them this question. He said, who do men say that I am? What's the conversation out there about, about who people think that I am? And they understand my name is, they know my name, but, but who do they believe prophetically I am and I'm coming as? And, and they said, some of them believe that you're John the Baptist that's come back to life. They didn't see, uh, they didn't see you during the ministry of John. They don't know uh, quite who you are. They think that after he was beheaded, that his ministry transferred over to you. And they said, there's some others. They think you're Elijah. You're the Elijah, the, the prophet. You're the, the, we we're positive that that's who you are. There's others that say you're just some uh, prophet. Uh, we don't know exactly who you are, but you're a prophet of God. And then he asked them pointedly, who do you say that I am? Who is it that you say that I am? And he begins, uh, as he asks them this question, Peter answers and he says, you are the Christ. You are the Christ of God. You are the one that we've been waiting for. You are the Messiah. You are Jesus Christ, the, the one that came to forgive us of our sins. You are the one who came to deliver us. You are him. And so after this revelation of who he is, Jesus then tells them about what he truly came for. He reveals to them. 
This is in verse 21. It says that he straightly charged them. He commanded them that no man, or that they would tell no man this thing. And he said, the son of man must suffer many things. He must be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and the slain. He must be raised the third day. Now they, they knew who he was talking about. They knew that he was telling them about something that was going to happen to himself. And, and he's revealing to them. He's announcing his death. He says, I, there's going to come a day when I'm going to die. And it's not going to just come as, as, a, as a, 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 me laying on my deathbed and, and at an old age. But there's going to come a day when I'm going to re- suffer. There's going to come a day when they're going to come against me. And they will put me to death. And don't you worry. I will rise again on the third day. But there will be a time of suffering. There will be a time where I will lose my life. Immediately after telling them of what his uh, what's going to happen to him? This is when he comes in with the statement to tell them about what is required of them. He says, if I'm going to give my life, let me inform you about what you are going to give. Because if any man comes after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross daily and follow me. And what a sobering mental picture that he's putting in their mind, this taking up their cross. They, they, they'd seen this happen of, of men who were, were sentenced to death by, by crucifixion. And, and they would, uh, before they were hanged up on the cross and, and, and they were stripped of their garments and they were, they were up there just all open and naked and, 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 and in this place of disgrace. We, before all of that, they're marched through the city streets and they, they have to carry the beam of their cross and they have to take it up to the place in which they are going to be crucified. And, and here they are. Jesus it begins looking at that person who who is bearing the burden of of their um of what they have done and and they're marching through the streets bearing the burden of what they have done carrying this cross this beam and and he says that is what I'm calling you to do every day I'm calling you to deny yourself that is to give up the things that your flesh desires, to, to give up your worldly pursuits. I'm calling you to sacrifice. I'm calling you to a place of sacrifice. It's what Jesus is getting down to is the fact that if you want to follow me, it's going to require sacrifice. Church, I want you to know, if you truly want to follow Jesus, then we have to lose some things. We have to sacrifice some things. There are some things that you can no longer hold on to if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There are some things that you've got to let go of that you cannot hold tightly anymore. Because Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then you've got to take up your cross. You've got to deny yourself and follow after me. you got to sacrifice. It says, for whosoever will save his life, shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same is going to save it. This is when losers win. Because what he's asking us to do is to lose ourselves, to lose our old self, to become a, a loser in the sense that my old self has died. 
But when my old self has died, then I win in Jesus Christ. I gain the greatest thing that I could ever have, which is a pursuit of Jesus Christ, which is this working in his kingdom and living for him. There is nothing greater than the life of a loser, the life of somebody who has lost their old way and they are now pursuing a new way. That is when you win, is when you lay down your past and you sacrifice the things of the past and you say, Jesus, I have my eyes set on you and you alone and I'm not going to turn back. Come on, it's like Lot's wife when she leaves the place that that God had called her out of and he says, don't you turn around and look at it or else you'll become a pillar of salt. And she turns around and she loses her life in that moment because she's longing for the things of the past. Jesus says, don't turn around. Don't long for the things of the past. Let's lose it all. Let's hang it up. Hang it on a cross. Let's, let's get rid of the old pursuits, the things that your flesh used to desire, what it used to want. This new life is a life of sacrifice. I heard it said recently that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, empty prayers that take place in our church services. A lot of prayers that happen, but true prayer is not unless there is sacrifice involved in it. There's sacrifice attached to it. The, a place of an altar. The altar was never a place for prayer. The altar is not a place for prayer. The altar is a place for sacrifice. They came and they laid their sacrifices upon the altar. And so when we come to an altar, it's not just to, to speak just a bunch of words. It's a place of sacrifice. Now, there's times of rejoicing, but there's sacrifice and rejoicing. Oh, and it's, 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 it's saying, God, Lord, you are so great. Lord, you are so wonderful to me. Come on, it's not about me anymore. It's not it's sacrificing. Come on, my pride and, and, and me thinking, you know, of all the great things that I could have. And instead, I'm saying, Lord, I have you and that's enough. Come on, I have you and that's enough. Come on, there's sacrifice and praise. He says, bring and offer up the sacrifice of praise. There's sacrifice that happened upon the altar of incense every day in the, in the tabernacle, in the temple, and, and that sacrifice of praise. Praise would go up, but but here we need to pray, or we need to come to an altar, and there needs to be sacrifice attached to our prayers. If we don't come in an attitude and in a disposition of sacrifice, then then really there's a lot of empty prayers that are being prayed. Because if you just say something and you you're you're making promises that are empty promises. That don't truly have sacrifice and you get up and you walk away to just go back to the same way that you used to live. Then that wasn't true sacrifice. God is looking for somebody who would lay down his life. Who would put everything upon the altar of sacrifice and say, I lay it here. I'm not going back to it. The things that I used to do. The things that I'm doing right now that I know I shouldn't be doing. I'm laying them here and I'm not picking them back up. I'm laying them down at your feet and I'm not going back to it. 
I'm sacrificing. I'm walking away from all of that. Why? Because I want to win. I want to win. In order for me to win, I must abase myself. I must become a loser and lose myself in you. God, lose my old ways, lose my old life, and instead pursue you. Amen. See, it's interesting when we come to a place of sacrifices, when we, when we truly deny ourselves and follow after God. It's at that point that, that the enemy, he really doesn't have anything to, to bring against us anymore from our past. Because you could say, my past is gone. That's not attached to me anymore. The things that you're trying to bring up, the enemy, he'll try to come at times and, and try to tear you down by, by thoughts of inadequacy and all these things. And, and he tries to bring up all these things that you've done in your past. And, and you, you yourself can feel guilty for things that you've done in your past that you wish you would have done differently. But as long as you have put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, come on, you don't have to be guilty of that anymore. You can live in freedom and say, Lord, I pursue you. God, if there's any way for me to repair some things my past I'll do it but Lord I am going forward and marching forward in victory knowing that my past is done my past is gone that's not who I am anymore God I've lost that old man yeah this this idea of sacrifice this idea of losing it comes to this this attitude that we must have of giving giving of ourselves giving of our time Doing things that that God would uh, God would call us to do and accomplish in His kingdom and and there's so many so many things that that we see in Scripture that uh, see in the, in the New Testament church that people are doing that are just very ordinary types of things. And you today, when I when I say that you are called to sacrifice, I want to try to try to make this uh, make this easy for us to understand here today. When I say that you're called to sacrifice, oftentimes that's on the very easy, basic level of just saying, Lord, whatever you have in front of me that I can do, Lord, I will do it. If I need to wait on tables like the men in Acts did when, when they came up and they just began to take care of the widows and the, and the, the ones who were, uh, who were sick and hungry and just in need. If that's what I need to do, then I need to bring meals to people. Lord, if that's the sacrifices that I need to make, Lord, and that's the need right now, Lord, then I will do it. If there is, uh, if, if there is a need in the church that isn't being fulfilled, God, then I will do it. Come on. I want to sacrifice. I want to give of myself whatever I have to give, Lord, I We'll give it to you. Amen. That's, it, it, doesn't have to, uh, it doesn't have to start at these grand, grand, great big things of going and, and selling your house and, and going and chasing after the will of God, which is halfway across the world. It starts right here, right where you're at, right in your workplace where there's those that are around you that are in need. And you see the needs in your community. You see the needs in your workplace. And, and maybe there's somebody there who, who you would just, um, it's just a little prayer that you could pray for them. That goes a long ways. Or it's a warm blanket for that individual who you've noticed sleeping in their car a couple days in a row as you've 
gone off, gone away to the park and, and parked there for lunch, and you just see them, uh, see them there, and, and they're in need, and they're this place of need, and then you go, and, and you just give of yourself. You may not have much, but you sacrifice because God has called us to sacrifice. See, God wants to use you today. This is a message here today that is it's really to, to arouse you to a, to a place where you could say, God wants to use me. God wants to use me. I mean, if you don't feel worthy, that's actually good because none of us are worthy. If you don't feel qualified, that's good because God's not looking for the qualified. If you, if you don't feel as if you have anything to give, that's all right because God just says as long as you have yourself, just give yourself. As long as you have two hands, just put, just, just offer them to God and just pray a prayer. It's, it's as simple as saying, God, what can you do with these hands that I have? God, is there something that you could lead me to that I could, that I could use them for? Is there something, God, that you could lead me to, somebody that you could lead me to that I could just tell them about you? I mean, God is calling us to go and to serve in his kingdom. God is calling us to go and to sacrifice our wants, our desires, and to begin to follow after him fully. See, we are called to lose our insecurities. He's calling us to lose our doubts. He's calling you to lose your fears. He's asking you today, if you would, if you would let go of that crutch that you continue to use and lean upon to say, I can't do anything for God. He's asking you today to give up those harmful habits that you have developed in your life. These things that, that you have continued to go back to over and over. And he's saying, come on, you have it. You have the power to overcome. You have the power to, to truly sacrifice. And I know that it feels like a cycle that you keep going back to. But if you would just come and you would offer it to me, I'm here to help you. I'm here. I can get you out of this habit, this, uh, this cycle that you're in. He's calling you to lose your self-reliance where you feel as if you don't want to rely on the church. You don't want to rely on God. You don't want to rely on things. You can get through life on your own. God, he's calling you to lose your reputation. Well, sometimes our reputation gets in the way of God using us because we don't want to fail. We don't want to go and to pray for somebody who we know God's calling us to pray for because we don't know whether or not they're going to be healed. And God says, get your reputation out of the way. I'm the one who does the healing anyways. If I'm calling you to go pray for them, then pray for them. And if I don't heal them, that's on me. That's not on you. Right? If he's calling you to go and witness to somebody and you say, I don't know, because they might look at me a little weird. Come on, let's lose our reputation. It's okay to let, come on, to lose some things as long as we're doing the things that God is calling us to do. Lose your insecurities. One of these things that, that we feel like, like I'm not good enough. He says, stop looking at yourself as not good enough. I have called you good. And what I call good is good enough. What I call good, come on, that is great in my eyes. And I will make something of you. 
Come on, stop walking in your fear. Let's live in faith. Let's live in a place where we are no longer bound up and we don't feel as if we can conquer and do the things that God has called us to do. God is calling us to do it. If let's, let's lose our apathy. Come on, church. There's some that we can live in a place of apathy for far too long. And, and, and in that apathy, we begin to get lack, lackadaisical and we sit back and we say, ah, you know, I'm, I'm just going to let everybody else do the work of God. But God is saying, this is the body of Christ. Come on, this, I want everybody to jump on board. I want everybody to be a minister. I want everybody to be my hands and my feet. I'm calling all of you to a place of sacrifice. I'm calling all of you to come together to do and to spread this gospel message. God's calling you today. He's asking you, would you lose some things so that we can gain the world? Would you lose some things? Come on about yourself and let down your guard so that God can use you to do great things. Come on, I believe that there are great men and women of God in this place. I believe that we have missionaries. I believe that we do have church planners in here. I believe that there are those, come on here today, who have talents that are sitting and they're buried in the ground and God says I want you to dig up some talents and to begin to use them for my kingdom because I have a plan that includes you it includes using you in my kingdom but let's deny yourself by denying yourself it means you stop worrying about what everybody thinks and you all just worry about what I think and this is when losers win this is when losers win. I want a church full of losers. Come on, a church that's full of people that say, come on, I'm losing all of the things that I hold dear. And instead, I want to pick up the, the things, God, that you hold dear. God, and I want to go after the things that you are calling me to, to, to pursue. Amen. Most of all, and above all of this, lays this lays this idea that Jesus had, had already said to them that he was going to do which is to lose his life and it would extend even to that if you had to give up your life for Jesus Christ would you do it if you had to give up your life if you had to lose your life would you still follow me Jesus he says, take up your cross, follow me, deny yourself. He just told them, I am going to pay the ultimate sacrifice. Oh, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. He, he laid himself upon a cross. He gave his life for us. We see in 1 John three sixteen. it says, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. He laid down his life for us. He paid the ultimate sacrifice. As you are here today and, and you, if you were to just close your eyes, just think about you know, what, what sacrifices am I making for the kingdom of God right now? My sacrificing my time, my sacrificing things, Lord, for the kingdom of God. 
I know we have many in here who are, and I'm, but, but there's, there's, there's a pull that God is, is calling us to a place of sacrifice. He's calling us to a place where we would lay down our life, where we would lay down our treasure, where we would lay down our time, where we would lay down everything, and we say, Lord, it's all yours. Whatever you want to do with it, God, have your way. And it's all yours. My family's yours. God, my time is yours. It's all yours. God, and I want to do everything I can to advance your kingdom. God, I want to sacrifice all. This is truly what he's asking. He's asking for a total sacrifice. A total, complete sacrifice. That's why when you have... That, that rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he says, I'm doing all these good things. I've kept all the commandments from my youth up. And Jesus says, all right, now let's go sell everything that you have. and Follow me. He was looking for us to completely sell out. To give everything to him. Well, that's what he's asking of you today. Would you lay it all in his hands? If he was calling you to do something today, well, would you, do you trust him? Have you truly lost your life? Have you truly laid down your life? Have you truly put yourself upon the cross? Died daily. Carried your cross daily. Amen. As we're in this place, if you could, if you just want to lift up your hands wherever you're at, we're, we're coming to a close here right now. And just lift up your hands. If God is calling you to a place of sacrifice, if He's calling you to a place where, where you can lay down some things, maybe, maybe it's some things that you've picked up along the way. And, and a long time ago, you said, God, I'll follow you wherever you go. I'll follow. But yet you've, you've reached back and you've picked up some of those things. Some of those things that you laid down at one point. Some of those things that you said you would never pick up, pick back up, but yet you picked them back up. Come on, today, could you lay them back down? Would you die to them? Would you lose, come on, them and, and say, Lord, I'm no longer going to go back, God. I won't go back to those crutches. I won't go back to those harmful habits, God. I'm not going to go back to those things. But God, I will pursue you. In fact, we stand in this place. If there's anybody that wants to come to this altar here today, amen, this altar is open. If you want to come to a place of sacrifice, if you want to lay down some things today and say, Lord, I'm yours. God, I am wholly and completely yours. God, whatever you ask of me, God, I will do it. God, whatever your call is, God, I will listen. I will go. Lord, I'm no longer going to rely, Lord, on myself. or I'm no longer going to think less of me, God, than I ought to. Because, Lord, if you've called me to it, Lord, then I can do it. Amen. He gave everything. He laid down his life. Would you sacrifice something today? Would you look and say, God, where can, I, where can I be used in your kingdom? Where am I being used in your kingdom? Because if I'm, not, if I'm not being used in your kingdom, then God, use me. If you can use anything, Lord, use me here today. God, you can use me today. Amen.
Myself, I give myself to you. 